welcome into the J Rod Sports Pod and this the second of our Formula One quarantine catch up series. Last episode, Sam, Ollie, and I looked at the state of Formula One before the lockdown, so now it's time to look at what's happened in the world of F1 whilst the sport has been stopped. So let's jump straight back into our conversation about what's been going on during the lockdown. Okay, and that I mean that that brings us quite nicely into sort of Okay, that was the state of Formula One before the lockdown. Yeah. What's happened during the lockdown? I mean, obviously there's the massive billboard news that is Vettel is no, it will finish this season with Ferrari, but, you know, won't be racing with Ferrari after that. Sam, why is why has it come to this point and why is Vettel leaving Ferrari? Um... So I'm in a rather fortunate position that a friend of mine actually works for Ferrari. So we've got an inside so source. This is, this is the J. Rod Pod's so first <laughs> inside source. So as, as, source. <laughs> so as soon as this news broke, I was straight on the phone to find out what was actually going on and the ins and outs of what was happening. And if you are the source that's listening, we will protect your identity, don't worry. <laughs> we won't... We won't. We won't talk, when Mauricio Bonato comes and talks to us, we won't mention anything to him. Um... Yeah, so trying to find out what was actually going on because it was it was big news in Formula One. I don't think anyone was quite expecting Vettel to to leave a team that okay, he wasn't didn't have the best season last year. He was very much the second driver, but I mean Ferrari's his boyhood dream isn't yeah, it, to go there. It's up there. Um but apparently the news is that he asked Ferrari for a two year contract and they would only offer him a one-year contract and that just didn't didn't suit him and i also just don't think he wanted to be a second driver again i think he wanted to have the same the same treatment the same privileges as what the clerk had and they weren't weren't prepared to to offer him that do you, um, do you think like he sees himself as the driver he was, but perhaps Ferrari don't. Like, is he still that, like, a championship-winning kind of driver? Like, is he forever going to be stuck on, was it four titles? Like, is... I mean, I'm going to go on a limb here and uh, make quite a big statement. Like, I think he... I mean, obviously, I think he's a phenomenally good driver. But I think last year exposed the fact that maybe those four championships with that I mean maybe Adrian Newey can just design a, an F1 car that no one else can even touch I mean I know it sounds awful but I mean even when when he was at Red Bull it was very clear that he was there he was the number one Weber was the number two Yeah. and he's come to Ferrari now and I mean with the best will in the world has been in some ways given opportunities and given the support of the team over Leclerc and he and Leclerc has thrived in that and has actually showed himself to be a, a talent that everyone is excited about watching in the future. So, I mean, it's hard to say that a four a four time world champion is slightly overrated, but I mean, I'm I'm dangerously close to going down that and saying, I mean, if you couldn't beat someone who's in their second season in the same car. That's a pretty big sort of sign that okay maybe yeah as Ollie says you're you're not the driver that you were. 
Yeah, and I think also I think that comes back to the case of maybe he was just driving with a bit of complacency and that is the what Leclerc had different and he did have, he had something to prove, he, he had someone to beat yeah, and it was the person that he wanted to beat was a four-time world champion, like that's yeah. huge, like and he he obviously believed in his potential and whether Vettel kind of just thought he would be the number one driver and kind of already had planned out the season without ever really racing it. Um, and, I mean, everyone loves the feeling of winning and he obviously wasn't prepared to be a second driver and couldn't see himself as a second driver. Um, and has, so, yeah, has has decided to leave and has yet... Yet, yet to, to sign to, Yet to put his name to another team, which, again, kind of makes you think that is there actually just no there's nowhere out there that nowhere out there that suits him that he wants to be a part of no one is obviously offering him everything he wants in a package and i think no. i think the reason that this is such big news is because it's not just one driver who's decided not to you know not to come back i mean it's the ripple effect of a ferrari seat being open is un, is unreal and so what what happened? What was the fallout of that? And what happened? Like, who was linked to it? Who? Where did we think the next Ferrari driver was going to come from? And and who have Ferrari signed? I think we all got very excited that it could be Ricardo. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think everyone was. I mean, I personally would have loved Ricardo to be at Ferrari. He would have been so good in red. <laughs> <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, I just think yeah he would have just offered something. I don't know. He's just got the personality, hasn't he? And he has the excitement level Leclerc has at Ferrari that like brings the excitement back to Ferrari. Whereas I think Vettel, like, like I don't want to go back to him because you could talk about Vettel for hours. But he has that. He's composed. It's calm. It's relaxed, and it's not like the like yeah. vibrant Italian style that we've come yeah. to expect from Ferrari. He, he and... just had that childhood dream yeah. feel about it about being at Ferrari. But he didn't go there. We were all, all disappointed. Um, Verstappen was also linked to it, but he made it very clear quite early on that he was happy to stay at Red Bull. Um, Bottas was also mentioned, um, but instead it went to to Sainz. I mean, I absolutely like the more and more I think about Sainz signing for Ferrari, the the better I think it is. Like the better a deal I think it is because. And the reason I was sort of hesitant to believe that Ricardo, as much as I wanted it, hesitant to believe that Ricardo uh, was going there. I mean, it, you ha- you just have to look at Mercedes and you look at what they've got there and why they're so good and why they win so many constructors championships and drivers championships. It's because they've got a pre a very clear number one driver and they've got a number two driver who's good enough that if something happens to Lewis. Or his strategy is not quite right, or so, you know something goes wrong. Bottas is going to make sure that Lewis's rivals don't win the points. Mm. You know, so Bottas is going to is is very. Com- I mean, one twos are great for Mercedes because it means that not only is Lewis winning races, it means that Lewis's main competitors are coming third. Yeah. Um, and so when when Ferrari got rid of Vettel, you know that's the biggest sign ever that Charles Leclerc is their is their guy. He's the he's the future. 
And then it's like, okay, well, we want someone who's not going to be good enough to threaten Leclerc. He's going to be good enough to mop up the points when something goes wrong. And that's why Sainz, I mean, is a very quick driver. But do I think he's quick enough to win a world championship? Probably not, but he might well be quick enough to come second or third and, and be that sort of support driver for... Um, Leclerc he's also been around a lot like he's been to a lot of different teams and knows sort of how he, he'll be he'll be a good sort of mentor for for Charles Leclerc so I mean the more and more I think about it the, the more I like it um, and, but again when you promote from within the sport that's another seat open and suddenly you've got McLaren's seat vacant and I mean you know what happens there yeah well then that's when we saw Ricardo did leave Renault and has filled that filled that empty seat in McLaren I mean he I, didn't have the best season at no. Renault and it, by the looks of it he wasn't really prepared to give them the time to fit in and he's jumped ship I, I worry for his career I think there was a time at Red Bull where before Verstappen on like that first year that Verstappen was there he was their like number one driver and their confidence was in him and like they put all their eggs in Verstappen's basket and it was a bit like right I don't want to be here then and he goes to Renault and it's a bit like okay you're a you're supposedly a big time driver hopefully you're going to drag Renault back into their golden days uh and it doesn't really work out there. And then he goes to McLaren and you have to wonder if this McLaren car in two years isn't in that top three, then McLaren, uh, McLaren, Ricardo's career goes from looking like one that was full of promise at the start and, you know, probably expected to have like two or three championships by now, realistically. And actually, there's a very realistic chance that he doesn't ever win one now. And, and, and I... I worry that he's at some point just going to become maybe like, not there's anything wrong with being Bottas, but you're just going to either be a, a top driver for a bottom team or a, a second driver that never gets that realistic chance. And I think that's a tough position for him to be in. And I think that's why he's jumping around a little bit in hope that he finds a bit of a, yeah, a gem somewhere. Yeah, he's trying to find like his, to somewhere, like his place, isn't he? It yeah. almost feels like he's just not entirely sure where he belongs. I mean, he's got a two-year deal now with with McLaren, and and whilst they like Lando Norris, I don't think anyone is going to be expecting Lando Norris to beat Ricardo. Uh, you know, now I mean, I think they're hoping that he'll develop into someone who, maybe towards the end of that second year, they can go. Oh, I mean, Lando's really pushing Daniel here, so we're happy to move on from Daniel. Yeah. But. I think that's gonna that hopefully is gonna give him a bit of stability and and it seems like McLaren are trending in the right direction with that Honda power engine so that Honda engine so it it's gonna make it, I think it's gonna be really interesting for for the next two years to see how Ricardo settles into um, being with McLaren but then again the Renault driver's now open and Renault has not appointed a second driver have they I mean no still. I mean, there's another bunch of rumours about this one as well. I mean, are we going to see the return of Alonso? <laughs> <laughs> is it gonna? Is it gonna happen? Um, I mean, I, who knows? Um, there's that. There's the talk of we've got young Mick Schumacher. He's been he F two was he last season? 
Yeah, I think he's been. I think he's been in F two. I mean, I could be very wrong, but there's those rumors. I mean, that would be the most unbelievable feel good story. Like you're in no rush. I feel. Yeah. And I think like you wait. Like if someone, like young, is there, and actually like if they don't have a great year this year with Ricardo and Ocon, who I think are two pretty decent drivers that's telling of like where your car is at and I think if like do they have to go down the right actually let's go down the young route and save some money a bit and then actually try and get a bit of a better car and you almost start a rebuild again don't you also I mean you're you're holding a seat in Formula One I mean like it's not not going to be filled. Yeah. By the end of the season, someone's going to be sitting in it and someone's going to be racing in it next year. So actually, the longer you sit there and hold on to it, it doesn't seem like the driver market's going to change other than one person going into Re- Renault. Yeah. So yeah. why why rush into signing someone now quickly as a sort of knee-jerk reaction when actually you can, first yeah. of all, probably drive the price of whoever you are you know, bargaining with down. And second of all, wait and see, okay, is Esteban Ocon... How does he work back in a Formula One car? And, you know, okay, maybe at the end of the season they go, right, we need someone just to support Esteban because he seems to be fitting in what? Well, speaking of the end of the season, we've got some drivers in their contract years. Yeah. What what does that look like for the end of 2021? Well, we've got Hamilton, Bottas and Albon all out of contract at the end of the end of the year I mean I think Hamilton I can't see him leaving Mercedes I don't think there's anywhere for him to go I mean we've just talked about Ferrari filling filling their seats and they've both their drivers the only team he would have exactly their 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 teams of their seats are filled with contracts and like that's a no-go um he's not he's not going to go anywhere else I mean he could retire but I don't think any of us can see that happening. Um, I disagree. Oh, what, you think he might? Uh, if I think if it had been this, if, if it, and again, we're going to get onto this later on in the discussion, but if the regulation changes had been happening at the end of this season and the budget cap was coming in, mm-hmm. I think Hamilton would walk away. I think he's essentially chasing that seventh world championship and then at that point he'll walk away because he's on so much money at the moment. He's going to have to take a massive pay cut to him to stay in a competitive car, isn't he? But the the salary fees of the drivers are not included. Oh really? Yeah. So the salary of the drivers are not included in the new budget caps. I could see I could see where you're coming from, but if you have seven, you have to go for eight. <laughs> I'm sorry, but if Schumacher's there on seven, and you're on six, he is probably your most like realistic winner of the championship this year, and that takes him with seven. If you have seven, right, Sam, you're in a Formula One car for the past, gosh, almost like fifteen years, yeah, yeah. and you have seven world championship titles, and the record is like your joint top. Do you go for eight? You- course you do exactly and you would too Robbie like (laughs) he's there's far too much determination there I think for him to not even just sign a one-year contract at the end of this year and be like look I'll win my eighth and then I'll walk away and that'll be like the the day done 
Yeah, and I think he'd be like he's far yeah. too. And I think Mercedes would offer. I think Mercedes would offer him a one-year contract as well. I think they would see. I mean, the amount that he's given to that team, I think, they would, yeah, they would be happy to have him and would see because for them it's great publicity as well to have him win. Do you think Bottas stays? Because I mean, last year that all the talk over the off season, he was just getting more and more agitated about the fact that people were just writing him off as this number two driver to this. Yeah, and and I mean, he, the big thing at the start of last season was that he was going to come out seriously hot and see if he could compete and see if he could fight Lewis. Do we think they're going to be able to keep keep a hold of him? Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, I can see, I could completely understand if he was to go. But I then think that opens up the opportunity. You then could get the Mercedes super team and they could bring in Vettel. And you could have Hamilton and Vettel as the drivers at Mercedes. And you'd have 10 world championships between the two of them. I think, I think that's the thing that ultimately, like, no, but until Mercedes sign both Bottas and Hamilton, there will always be talk of Vettel going there. So, and I think that that could actually end up being something that drives Bottas out. Like, you know, he's been told by Wolf, like, no, they're not interested in Vettel. Wolf's come out and said, we're never going to say no to Vettel or, like, take that off the table. So, actually, like, already, like, the stories aren't exactly aligning and I think that that could actually be, like, Bottas might want to go somewhere, like, you know, like Renault, where he's appreciated as a number one driver and he gets that kind of treatment. He might not go as quickly, but it'd be a nice treatment and actually, like, yeah, he gets it his way a little bit for a while. Especially he's when he's a like, decent driver. Like we've oh. spoken about how he's been there. He is I mean, not only is he a number two driver, but he tends to be number two podium driver. Yeah. Like Well, he came second in the championship last year. Yeah. So. I mean like, I think I think the driver that can throw a spanner in the works here is George Russell. Because I think he I mean he he's he's been on Mercedes money. Like he's yeah. part of the Mercedes driver programme. Um It's just how <clears> long they want to what nurture him for, isn't it? And when yeah. they want to bring in, but again, you could just offer, you could do a one-year contract of Hamilton and Vettel and have a year of... You're really running down this Mercedes <laughs> Super Team. Right? I don't know. You, you just a, love I just it to think happen. it's exciting. I just think it's... Very rarely does it happen. Yeah. Especially in and Formula 1 when Vettel there's just one Vettel hasn't two. jumped on another team. He's kept very quiet. He hasn't announced a retirement. He hasn't... There's like a seat at Renault that he could... I'm sure Renault would take Vettel. There's, he's sat there, he's not said anything. Is he just waiting for this opportunity to open? And, I mean, okay, he would he would have to be the number two driver behind Hamilton. But I, but I don't it, think he would. I don't think he could accept that. Yeah. That, he can't, ex- he can't then, not accept that Ferrari with Leclerc, who's younger, and then go to Mercedes and be like, yeah, happily, I'll... But then you look at his attitude and you wonder then, does he look at Bottas and go, well, I'm a better driver than Bottas. Bottas was not far off Hamilton. Actually, can I give him for his money? I think that is is the... That's Mercedes' fear, I think, if they sign Vettel. No, but I think that's the thing that that could drive Vettel to get to Mercedes is the fact that he just... (laughs) You don't want that at Mercedes, though. No, no, but he might just... No, but that's not his decision. <laughs> you, if you are Mercedes, you do not want Vettel going there with some kind of vengeance to go out there and prove yeah. that all along it was just a matter of the car that Hamilton had. 
Yeah. If that ends up being the story of Vettel and Hamilton, which it doesn't look like it has been, like that is awful for for Mercedes. And I don't think you six or seven races into the season you don't want to be having conversations of who gets to pit first. You know, like that mm. that shouldn't be the conversation. Like at the moment it's always Hamilton. Unless like something's gone wrong or whatever and Bottas is like first and Hamilton's like eleventh or for whatever reason. But as Mercedes, there's no way as a business that you turn around and go, yeah, let's invite these fireworks into our house and let them all off and see if the house is still standing after. So what we're saying, Sam, is we're really sorry, but it's yeah. not, not going to happen. Well, they're going to be boring and they're going to... Just win. Someone that's going to do as they're told and quietly follow rules. <laughs> but I think that's where, like, Robbie's Russell suggestion makes sense. You... If like you go down the route of Hamilton for another one or two years, in that first year it's obvious that Russell is the second yeah. in that last year, then actually you can be a bit like, right, like... And then you've got Lewis Hamilton in a mentoring position as well, which will... Like, be interesting, yeah. I think. <laughs> okay, and then, uh, so... Obviously, as you said, the driver... Um, the monies. The marketing costs, the salaries of the driver and the top three personnel at any team aren't going to be covered by the salary cap. But what is the budget cap going to be going forward? So originally it was agreed it was going to be 175 million US dollars. That was then recently, re they had a revote with the teams and it's been changed because of the coronavirus and the whole lockdown. It's now going to be 145 million US dollars from 2021. And just to put that into perspective, that's £116 million. Pounds. And to put it into perspective and some context, Ferrari and Mercedes spent over $400 million US dollars last year. Oh, yes. $400 million and it's going down to $145. I think, I think the interesting point about this is that they're not... One of the things that's been written in the, in the agreement is they're not allowed to develop the car until the sort of budget cap comes into play. And the if it, you know if they were to start doing it, it would probably be counted against the budget cap in, in, in the year that the car would be racing. Cause you would Im- <laughs> there's no way there's not somebody already drawing. Because <laughs> you would imagine you'd imagine that Mercedes were like, right, well they just we, haven't hired him yet, so it doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> we, we better just start designing the car for the next fifteen years and just like right. Oh, 100%. This, team, this team, you're designing the twenty forty five Formula One car, off you go. Yeah. I mean like so you just hope that they're playing by the rules there. I mean it's gonna make it unreal racing. Uh, do you think it like it evens out that conversation of like like we just mentioned there, like car versus driver like that's always so important like if everyone's it's almost like equals the playing field that everyone starts off at so actually are you able to have conversations of right well they've all got the same amount of money like you know you can't imagine Haas like spending as much as that 400 million that you mentioned well yeah they they spent 150 well there we go go. (laughs) they're five five million off and so, right, I, think, I think Williams were on like 90. They were similar, yeah, they were so, similar price. So actually, like, you start looking at, well, one, everyone's going to go a whole lot slower. Yeah. And, that, and then so that just closes every single gap. So you're looking at, like, almost having, like, 20 cars that can all go the same speed and who can... 
yeah. drive it the fastest, the, don't the break the latest. But then I think the interesting thing is, I mean, like, it's pure racing, isn't but it? But the drivers, are the, the, the thing I find kind of counterintuitive is that the drivers aren't included in that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, that to me strikes it as... Because then, then you have to make a decision, okay, like, what percentage of our budget are we going to spend on getting a good driver? Because that's why if someone like Lewis Hamilton was like, oh, I want $50 million, it's like, well, we've got $95 million to do a car and another driver <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, and I think that's, yeah, that is a big, like, to, be, to begin with, I originally thought the drivers were included, and was and then saw all the rumors about all these like super teams and people going to this and i was like how on earth are they going to be able to afford to have those two drivers in the same team but turns out they're not included so it still gives the teams with more money the advantage that they will have the better drivers however you if it if the if the salaries were to be included in it you then might get a point of you may have the team being a single team being so separate in itself and would they then spend the majority of their money on their better driver and you would have one car that was just so much slower would you then have a separate yeah like your team would be so much separate but with this then potentially you are going to get closer drive closer racing and driving between do you think like teams it's formula one have to be careful with this like if with the money especially like i think one of the biggest appeals of formula one is that money is there and like people like hamilton can get paid extortionate amounts and actually like if you start going right well you know 10 out of the 20 cars are dog slow Mm. like that means 10 out of the 20 drivers are probably actually going to be guys that were in like f2 last year and yeah. like your market becomes so much more concentrated that people will want to go and do like other things and like yeah i think i think they've tried to they've tried to avoid stuff as much as possible by bringing in the other like mechanical changes and things where there are parts that are standardized yeah so every car will have the same i mean i can't remember what part it is that i had but there was something that was like everyone will have this and this will be standardized so that side of it you kind of hope that that would bring the level of the cars to the same level um what can you do with less so like what so we 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 don't know fully we know what some of the drivers are going to look like and what clothes they're going to be wearing uh in the 2021-22 season what kind of manufacturer or mechanical changes are we looking at like moving forward in formula one um well it was quite interesting so the the changes that they brought in have been in their their key aim and their key thing that they want to get out of these changes is to make sure that the cars look nicer oh, yes because that is <laughs> that is a very important factor and um, but also quite interestingly closer racing but not necessarily as in just closer that they want the cars to be 
they actually want the cars to be physically closer to one another on the racetrack. So more crashing. So the potential for more, they want more drama basically. You don't want Grosjean on the team. And yeah, so the first thing, the first thing they've done is they've looked at. So when you've got a car driving in, as they always call it, the dirty air of the car in front, they've and that's they've said that reduces forty percent. You lose forty percent of your downforce when you're doing that. So that's obviously cars less. It's less stable. You feel slightly more on, on edge, I guess, driving a car at ridiculous miles an hour. And yeah. So they've decided that... It doesn't do much good for the tyres either, does it? Exactly. And also that's... And when you're sat behind, that's the perfect opportunity. You've got your overtaking, you've got your close-knit racing, the exciting stuff. So they've gone, right, well, let's make sure they have more downforce so we can see more of that. So we've now reduced the amount of dirty air. So it's now cleaner because they've increased the size of the rear wing. So airflow is now coming off that rear wing a lot cleaner and also higher. So it's going above the car right, below okay. rather than into it. So if I'm right behind like your Robbie, I don't get any of that really. Yeah, so the idea is to, re to try and get as much of that dirty wake as they're calling it away from the cars behind. So the car is now is only losing five to ten percent of downforce, meaning that a more stable car, the driver will be more confident to do the taking out, uh, to do the overtaking, yeah. and to battle more. Nice. Okay. Which, I mean, for as a spectator point of view, is is why you watch Formula One. I mean, the yeah. exciting bit tends to be the first few laps because that's when you've got your cars all together. Not if they can keep that all together yeah. for X amount of laps, then. 25 laps in when it's just watching cars go by it's not as interesting exactly you lose interest um so i think that's that's a good i mean as a safety side of it probably <laughs> is it less safe is it safer i mean more stable cars you'd think safer an increase in overtaking and possibly more dangerous situations probably less safe i think that's the battle though like that formula one will always face is like it's always been such a high speed sport and overtaking is its thing and so once you start to reduce that then actually it becomes more like every other kind of racing and I don't think that helps the brand. Yeah I mean the big the big appeal is that it is cars being driven at maximum capacity yeah and sometimes yeah that you know oversteps I think the good thing is that the driver safety has improved so much that yeah. nowadays some of the issues that we used to see, you know, almost every driver now walks away from a crash and, and you know, with the new halo that everyone was so against to start with actually has been quite a big success and everyone likes it and, yeah. you know, you've got Alex yeah. Albon people blasting their Instagram and Twitter handles all over the top of theirs just for, like, free marketing. Yeah. Um, and so you, you spoke about the downforce and cars being I suppose bigger and everything so you're looking at more overtaking but are we looking at faster cars or slower cars is it like uh, you know everyone coming together so everyone's slower but that also means that like, yeah so I, think, <laughs> I mean they've said they've said to begin with the racing will be slower because cars are also going to be heavier right so they're getting new tires and with the other alterations that they've been given are going to be 25 kilograms heavier that's a lot which will be significant but they've said it'll only be slower at the start right. so they're expecting the teams to make adjustments to make, to make adjustments it. and by the end of whether it'll take a season whether it'll take a couple of seasons 
they are expecting them to be back up to the same speed and probably also guessing they'll expect them to be quicker. Yeah. So that will also... I mean, surely it will play into the hands of the sort of twistier street circuit sort of, you know, hopefully those will be a bit quicker with more downforce. It's the, it's the sort of, you know, your Monza's Red Bull ring, sort of those kind of places yeah. where you're basically at full throttle for most of it, where actually having that extra downforce and that sort of... Um, yeah. that change is, is going to slow the t- slow the top speeds down so it might might bring the top speeds down a little bit but hopefully cornering speeds might go up a, uh, to match that yeah and we might see a bit more overtaking and places like okay and then it's exciting now and hopeful on our notes that <laughs> on our notes sheet that, that we've we've written up you number five here for one of the proposed changes is I think something that we can all get behind and we're uh, all extremely excited this is about fantastic Reminds me of the shoes that we all had when we were here. Yeah, <laughs> wheel, wheel trims might be fitted with rotating LED display panels to provide info for spectators and the same idea to be used on the bodywork. Now, when you say info for spectators, now, what I'm expecting <laughs> is, like, a live screen showing me, like, tyre degradation and being like, oh, this tyre this tire's blown out. <laughs> you don't want that. You want, like... And not to go too rowing specific, but in the boat race where they have the heart rate of the coxes, or the oh, yeah. <laughs> you, want, you want Hamilton's heart rate going through the roof yeah, and like what, showing that. I what mean, info is it going to be? I mean, they haven't specified. They haven't specified what. I mean, it's very much a proposed. It's going to be ads, isn't it? It's not going to be time. It's going to be every team to say. see. I mean, I think everyone would love. I mean, with all this virtual Grand Prix racing, we've been staring at things where we've had every bit of data and you watch on TV and you get all of all of the data you could possibly want. Whether you're going to be able to actually see that as well from the stands is, I mean, yeah. are, are we going you to You say these tyres or wheels are bigger, but how much bigger are <laughs> I mean, they? I'm guessing it's going to be something similar to the colour. I think it's going to be possibly colour. I'm guessing colour codes we're going you to think be getting. Like the LED might just be like the tyre that they have on. Well, I don't know, because so they like, tried that, like, didn't they? They, so they, they had, like, like the silver, red and yellow, didn't they? Which was supposed to be something like, was it to do with a jam sandwich? So you had, like, the knife. So the harder ones was the knife, so they were silver. The butter was a little bit harder, so that was yellow. And then the jam was the softest, so that was red. Science. Apparently. There we Science go. of Formula One. <laughs> jam sandwich you Formula One. these cars that can go incredibly quick and go around corners <laughs> at insane is... speeds. And what do you go back to? Ah, yes, a jam sandwich. <laughs> and that's how they decided to explain it to all of us mortals that didn't understand, uh, didn't understand F1. But uh, yeah, I mean, also on the body, car body, I don't like, who knows what they'll make of it. I mean, it's quite exciting. It gives you, it. I mean, well, also, does that mean the races are going more in the dark? We're going to have, oh, to have more nighttime racing. Epic. That would be so epic. I don't but, know. I mean, you know, with with marketing stuff being excluded from the budget caps, like, yeah, that's uh, we're idiots for assuming that it's going to be anything other than just like uh, someone buying advertising space on a Formula yeah. One car because it means that you can have. I mean, imagine like a full-blown advert, <laughs> like playing on the side of a Formula One car, and then, oh well, you're gonna pay for it to be on the you know casino square bit of Monaco, and like think about how much money the Formula One teams can make from that. Yeah. So like Super Bowl adverts, but yeah. on steroids. <laughs> yeah, it's I, don't, I don't know how this one's gonna work, but we can we can wait and see, can't we? And I guess the last thing for us to talk about 
before looking at the sort of structure of the 2021 season, is going to be Williams. Now, Williams was put... I mean, they put it themselves up for sale at the end of May, and they've said that they've had strong and credible interest in, in buying the team. Just quickly, like, how how sad would it be if the Williams name was no longer on the Formula One uh, you know, grid and, and what kind of an impact do we think that would have? Because they are the last sort of like family... Yeah, like, I mean, apart from Ferrari, is like a staple, I mean, you say original F1, Williams is, yeah, it's, it's still got family members running it. Um, it'd be a huge loss. I think yeah, I mean, no one wants to see it. I mean, you see the other teams' names changing all the time, but I think Williams is, yeah. It's the tradition of F1. Yeah, it's... No matter how modern, like, F1 might be, I think there's always a place for tradition. And I think, like you said, there's not a lot of that left. And I think Frank, <clears throat> Frank Williams is one of those characters that, you know, obviously when you know, after what happened when he was driving back from the Frank Ricard circuit circuit in France, you know, he was in, and he's been in a wheelchair since. I mean, he's a sort of figure that when he speaks, everyone sort of shuts up and listens. You know, in some regards with Formula One, he's one of the people that's been there. He's seen most of it. I mean, they were, Ayrton Senna was driving their car when he was, uh, when he tragically died, and 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 you know they've been through so much in Formula One, it would be a massive, massive tragedy not to have them. Yeah, and I think also we've kind of got to hope that they've only put it up for sale, either knowing that there was going to be the interest in it, and or maybe they'd already been approached or something, because it's a big. They seemed from the interviews and the stuff that I've listened to and read, it's kind of they seem quite positive about it. And they don't almost seem like this is the last, like, the last straw. And I don't know. I think I'm hoping that there's they've got someone in mind and they've got, as they say, interest. And well, what's interesting is, and I know you feel strongly about this, but and correct me if the details aren't all correct, but uh, Lance Stroll's father, he was the one that saved Force India, wasn't he? And they're now Racing Point. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. why... Not all of the reasons, but one of the reasons that Lance Stroll is a driver for Racing Point. Well, a similar thing happened with Williams. So Latifi finished second in Formula 2 last year and the Williams team accepted quite a substantial loan, perhaps, from Latifi's father. So, you know, we might not be looking at Latifi being the next big thing, but actually a nice little loan for Williams to... To get to stay in Formula One until someone perhaps yeah. comes in with a bit more money, and I think also now, almost the cuts will help them, because you now don't need to look for something that's going to be able to offer you, four hundred. Yeah, they've just got to keep. They've just got to keep their head above water essentially for this next eighteen months, and then it's like right. Yeah. Well, and I mean they they've said in the news that they've they've obviously sold they've sold something else like they've sold another part of another business which means that they can continue so we've got williams for until 2021 yeah so if we hopefully we can find they can find someone budget cuts help them (laughs) yeah yeah so you don't need someone to fork out quite as much money
So that was the second of our quarantine catch-up series on Formula One. Join us next time when Sam, Ollie and I will be looking at how the 2020 season is shaping up and who we think might be the contenders at the start of the season. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe, follow us on social media and let us know if there's something you want to hear.